I don't think that, that modern medicine really does a deep dive into the intricate levels of somebody's metabolic health or their, their heart disease risk or their hormones. People are lacking that access. Ones that are hitting that 40-year-old age limit, maybe put off their, their health for 10 years chasing a career or raising kids. But they start to demand this information and they can't find it anywhere. Welcome to the show where we help you make smart nutrition simple. If you want proven nutrition strategies to help you build a better body, and create the energy to show up for your family without overly restrictive and unrealistic dieting, then you're in the right place. Make sure to subscribe and enjoy this episode. Optimal health isn't just about living longer. It's about living better. On today's episode of the Smart Nutrition Made Simple Show, I had the distinct honor of speaking with Dr. Jesse Greer. Dr. Greer's career has taken him from Walter Reed National Military Medical Center to the front lines as a battalion surgeon for the U.S. Special Forces in Afghanistan. Now out of the military, Dr. Greer opened Preamble, a health span clinic in Scottsdale where he uses cutting-edge technology to provide patients with a preventative and personalized plan of attack to take control of their health. In our conversation, Dr. Greer shares his experience as a Green Beret and the medical challenges that he experienced with soldiers on the battlefield. We talk about the transition from working in an army hospital to a civilian ER, the issues with our current healthcare system, and the challenges he faced when his concrete mission as a military doctor ended. We discuss metabolic derangement, the significance of fasting insulin levels, and why it's crucial to take ownership over your health. Finally, Dr. Greer explains the concept of Medicine 3.0, his approach to patient care, and how he leverages data and technology for proactive health management. So, without further ado, here's my conversation with Dr. Jesse Greer. Welcome to Smart Nutrition Made Simple Show, man. How you doing? Good, good. Thanks, Ben. Thanks for having me. Uh, it's a pleasure. I am excited to introduce you to our audience. You know, we've been connecting as of late. You're here in Scottsdale with me. I think we are really speaking the same language and we were able to connect a while back. And so I wanted to bring you in front of our audience, share uh, some of your knowledge and wisdom and how you're kind of doing things differently in the field of medicine. Maybe just give us a little rundown of your background and how you got to become this, you know, the physician that in the position that you're in right now. Yeah, of course. Um... I went and did medical school through the military. Uh, I did my training at Walter Reed. And then I was, uh, I was an army doctor for a while. Um, I went out to, uh, to go be a battalion surgeon for 7th Special Forces Group. So I was, um, I was a doctor for you know, an elite unit of, of individuals. And, um, well, we got to do all the cool stuff and, uh, you know, tactical medicine. And I'm fascinated and I'm confident that other people are fascinated. So I don't want you to skim over this stuff because... You seem like a pretty badass dude. Um, you know, you were uh, what a Green Beret and a battalion surgeon. So, could you dive a little bit into, like, first and foremost, like how you got into, like, how did you get into the route that you did with special forces, with medicine? What was the the preempt to that? Oh yeah, for sure. Um, well, when when I was finishing up my my, my college. It was right at the time, you know, 9-11 happened. Uh, we were invading Iraq and I really just wanted, um, you know, to, to go serve. Uh, and, you know, the, the, the route was either to go, you know, straight into the military from college as an officer 
Uh, but I also was really interested in medicine at the time. And I discovered that the military has its own medical school out in Washington, D.C. And I was like, oh, that's a great, you know, that's kind of a great combination of, of, uh, of things that I, that I want to do. So, so it was a pretty easy decision for me to do that. Um, but then, you know, it's a normal medical school. It's a normal residency. So, you know, even though I wore a uniform to school, um, you still just go to medical school for four years and start working in the hospital. And you, I, I did an internal medicine residency at, at Walter Reed. Uh, and that was great, but it, you know, it just really wasn't satisfying any of that kind of urge to go out and um, and go out with the uh, the real army. Were you so, into like combat? Were you into martial arts? Were you into weapons prior? No, I, I mean, but you know, I was I was into sports, um, right. you know, but I wasn't like a you know, and I liked I liked like World War II history and things like that. Yeah. But I, you know, I didn't do ROTC. I wasn't really a military guy. You know, it's funny, I look back, all the men that I knew growing up as a kid had served in the army. So mm. I just thought that that's kind of what you do when you get older. You just like you eventually end up in the army doing something, yeah. you know. Um, so it just kind of it, it was just uh, it seemed like a, a, a pretty normal thing to do. And then especially when 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 things were the way they were in 2001 through that, right. you know, you're extra, you're like kicking the pants. Totally. Uh, I, I was spending spring break in in Miami, you know, and you're seeing news footage of of. of people younger than you going off to war kind of kind of yeah. sunk in pretty quick um, yeah i was i was right there i mean we both went to u of a right yeah that's right yeah so it's i dude same time i mean i was a, i think i was a junior um sophomore or junior in in college and so i i remember it vividly so you went to medical school you went to walter reed medical school and then take us from there yeah and then um you know, I got this opportunity. I, I, I wanted to go out to the army immediately after my residency. Um, and you, you can, like everybody gets to if they want to, you know, but I just really, you know, had this desire to kind of go work for, um, you know, dudes who got after it a little bit more. So, um, you know, the, the idea of, of I, I met I, a couple guys who had actually been special forces battalion surgeons for, you know, four or five years, come back, they were working in the hospital. And, you know, talking to those guys, they were like, they were, they were dead back in the hospital and they just were like, I just want to go back mm. to be a special forces doctor. Cause was it was like, like oh, so sounds... boring in, in the hospital. Exactly. Right. And they were just like, and I was doing cool shit. I was jumping out of airplanes and, you know, we were, um, you know, doing training on, on animals and, and, and showing these dudes how to save lives and, you know, going all over the world. And you're just like, oh, that sounds pretty cool. I'd like to, I'd like to do that. So, um, I mean, funny story, I, you know, and I had no connections in the space, but I found out where they have their annual conference and I found the dude who actually assigns these jobs. Um, I found out where he was, you know, having drinks after the conference one day and just, you know, went up and kind of gave him my pitch. And, uh, you know, he was like, uh, I guess he felt bad enough for me or whatever, you know, or felt sorry enough for me anyway. So he's like, OK, I'll give you I'll give you a job on one of our like not with the special forces, but you guys will support them. Um, and it was like a, like a, it was a special operations support team and you'll be the, the doctor on that. And it, that was a cool experience. So that's what I did right out of residency. And it was this eight man trauma team. And we would deploy with uh, 12 man special forces teams pretty far forward. We would be able to provide, you know, life sustaining care for two, three days out in the field. And, and that was our job. And we went, you know, all over the world, Afghanistan, uh, South Sudan and Central Africa for for six months and you get to really kind of practice this stuff. And, you know, I did a good enough job at that, you know, for, for that assignment that um, I got the opportunity to, to go take a battalion surgeon slot 
And so I was talking to the boss and he was like, would you, you know, would you go through the special forces training school? You know, if you had the chance, because I've got an opportunity to send a doctor through every year and I didn't want to seem like a wuss at the time. So of course I said, yes, you know, what was you, what were you saying in your mind? Well, I was just like, oh, it sounds, it sounds fucking hard. <laughs> like, you know, uh, <laughs> totally. I'm, in decent, I'm in decent shape, but like, shit, like, I didn't know, like, I, I didn't come here to this conversation expecting to ask if I wanted to go through special forces school, like, you know, um, so, uh, but he was like, you'd be fourth or fifth on the list anyway. So chances are you wouldn't get to. So I was like, okay, sure. Yes. I've gotten, I've got chances zero. are you wouldn't end up deploying. Chances are I wouldn't end up getting to go to the special forces school because there was like oh, four okay. doctors in front of me in line to try to do this. And, got it. Um, you know, turns it out, you know, you have to go through this three week, um, they call it special forces assessment selection. You go through this three week period where, you know, it's like, like hell week and, you know, where you've got to pass all their tests. And then if you, if you get selected at the end of that, then you get uh, to go through the special forces qualification course, which is like a year and a half yeah. where you become a, where you become a green beret. But uh, apparently all those docs um, didn't pass the, the selection. So about, you know, six months later, I got a call and they're like, all right, I'll be ready to go. How hard uh, was it? The qualification course, that first three weeks, it was, it was brutal. I was not, I was, I, I was in good shape, but like, I mean, I didn't really have any very much military experience kind of doing all that stuff. And you got to do these complicated land navigation courses. And um, so, you know, I was working for a deficit, but they give great courses for these beforehand so i was just sitting in the front taking notes um and then just you know I, you know i think I, I did get a heat injury one day um but i just happened to have this 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 unexpected like two three hour break afterwards where i was able to kind of recover you know i would have been um failed out from there but just you know kind of managed to to make it through and, and uh and then get selected so then stopped being a doctor for a whole year and a half and went through the the, the special forces course uh, an officer. So then, so you made it through, so that sort of like qualified you to become a Green Beret? Yeah. And then after you go through that course for about a year and a half at the end, you become a Green Beret and they finally yeah, give you one. So it took me about, it took me about a year and a half. So tell us about your responsibilities. Cause you, you know, you've told me previously and you mentioned here, you know, just a couple of minutes ago that, you know, you were serving with this elite team and you guys had kind of a a lot of resources to work with, like what were your daily responsibilities and fill us in on some of those things. The, the responsibilities as a, as a doctor for the, um, like as a battalion surgeon, right? You're, you're responsible for all the training of every medic that, that falls underneath you. Every special forces team has a couple medics on there. Um, they're, and they're all highly trained. They've already gone through school, but you know, you do recurrent training with them. You are, your main job is support to the command to provide, you know, medical insights into all the operations and missions that you're doing, planning, medical evacuations, um, you know, coordinating all that stuff. But you also run or in charge of the health of your unit as well. And, you know, so a lot of the times when you're back in garrison, which is, you know, uh, you hope to be more times than not, but, um, you know, you're, you're around and, and, and you're dealing with the health of, of your unit. And, And if you're somebody that they can trust, and if you're, somebody they like talking to, then, you know, there's always people kind of walking in and coming in and talking to you. And, you know, there was, I mean, we'd been at war for, you know, 20 years and a lot of those dudes had been too, you know, 10, 15. Um, yeah. So we, we end up seeing a lot of, 
um, a lot of PTSD, a lot of depression, um, a lot of, uh, you know, too many suicides, like, but yeah. like, this was just kind of a common theme, especially among the older guys, you know, the guys were kind of getting into their forties, which is also kind of this time that, um, that if we're not careful about it, um, right, we start putting on that weight and start getting a bit metabolically unhealthy. You know, next thing you know, they've got sleep apnea and you've just got all these things kind of compounding together. And it's just not, it wasn't a very pretty picture. We did have more resources. So, you know, we were able to, we had um, like a full, you know, SEC style college football team gym, you know, uh, with our own trainers and we had access to nutritionists. And, and uh, uh, so that was, that was a great resource for us that we were able to kind of, that we were able to use in, in, in this, this, this program that I started um, working with them on. So you guys were leveraging, you were obviously doing strength training, you were managing nutrition. What kind of um, health markers were you looking at with your guys? What were um, some of the tools that you were leveraging uh, at that time to focus on their optimal health? Um, and the biggest thing that we would see with these guys besides like, you know, these, this kind of like pre, pre-diabetes or this poor metabolic health was a lot of hormone issues. And, um, I got started down this program because, you know, I, I heard a guy talking about how a lot of these high explosive injuries, um, head injuries really disrupt that hormonal access kind of starting from the brain. Yeah. Um, and you know, that's true. We would, we would find like really extremely low testosterone levels. Like, you know, you'd call them low in a 70 year old man on these, you know, barrel chested freedom fighters who you know probably feels optimal, you know, and had this high level of testosterone all of his life. And, like, you know, there's no wonder he's, he's you know, crying at, uh, at uh, Dove commercials. Yeah, and I, I've, I've seen this before, but, you know, with all of the explosives and head trauma and stuff, it disrupts, so what you're saying is it disrupts this HP axis and all downstream, all the downstream hormones that are facilitated through that. And so you get a lot of guys imagine that are then suffering from low testosterone levels and and everything that comes from that yep that's exactly right you know what were some of the ways in which you were helping guys through this um what were some of the big takeaways that you leveraged through working in special forces that you've taken with you and leveraged into you know your existing practice yeah, well, you know, the simplicity of being able to make that diagnosis and then start treatment, having immediate access to them for, you know, follow-up labs to to be able to track this stuff uh, was super, was super easy. I mean, that made it all like totally doable. Um, but, you know, the, the, the nice thing was, is that, you know, you're in the army, so you got to fucking report to work. I'm sorry. Uh, you know, no, work you're, <laughs> you're good. Uh, but I start talking about the army, maybe more cuss words accidentally slip out. Right. All right. Uh, you know, but you have to show up to work every day, right? So you've got a place to be. And when people are having this level of issues, the command was really supportive of, of making this a priority for these guys, right? So, so they did have to report to like the nutritionist and, 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 and these, these gym sessions. And, and, um, and, and so while we're implementing, you know, the, these hormones and we're able to start, start pecking away at the, at the crappy things in their diet and, and, and focusing on their exercise, I mean, you know, you almost didn't have to be too selective about the exercise, just even getting them moving and, 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 and all that stuff was, was, uh, was just the, the right thing. Um, but, you know, also addressing these guys' sleep, I, you know, I, I probably threw half of them on uh, CPAPs for sleep apnea. Yeah. Uh, 
at least until they could lose some weight. Uh, and that really helped as well. Outside of the PTSD, I imagine many of the metabolic, uh, the levels of metabolic derangement that you were starting to see with these guys, especially as they started to get older or later in their careers, are the very same things that you're seeing with your existing clients. That's exactly right. It's, I mean, it's, 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 they're obviously not, not the same background, but you know, a lot of the clients that we have were, you know, athletic in their younger years and, um, you know, same type of, same type of mindset, but those are, that's exactly, we just kind of leveraged that, that access to, to what we had then repeated here and, 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 and deliver it in a, in, in a similar way. What did your transition out of the military look like? And, um, I know that, you know, you got frustrated with kind of aspects of conventional medicine. So I'd love for you to share just that transition. And then of course, going into, onto your, into your own, you know, business as it stands. You know, when I left the army, I, I went to go work at a, a, a civilian hospital and it was nice, right? They're paying double of whatever I was making in the army. Um, so, so good financial opportunity. And, um, that's what I was qualified to do. Might as well, might as well take it. And, um, started working as a hospital doctor there. So that means, you know, anybody who's comes in the emergency room and they're, they're too sick to leave, they've got to stay in the hospital. Right. So the doctor comes down uh, and, and takes them in and, and manages their care and, and, and until they leave the hospital. That's what I did. Um, and it was just, man, it was a, it was a giant slap in the face of, of like, you know, going from, from that job to, to the civilian side of things in so many ways. Right. Yeah. It was a tr transition into the civilian world. And, um, no matter how much they tell you, like it's a, it's a shock to the system and try to prep you for it. It's still, you still got to run through it mentally. Uh, but just, you know, that being my, my day to day, the, the business side of, of that hospital, right. Of them kind of overriding your decision-making capacity to, so, so that it follows along this neat little algorithm mm. that someone found is going to drop 4% off the, the cost of this stuff that wiggles its way into everything that you're doing. Right. So your decision making is almost like completely co-opted and you're, they're basically just renting your medical license to, yeah. to be able to push people through the hospital. Um, so that, and then just the level of like, you know, rearranging deck chairs on the Titanic 80% of the time where, you know, you, you've got somebody who, who's there, who's, who's going to be there in two weeks um, because either they don't give a shit or, or the system is completely, you know, um, screwed to be able to, to prevent this from happening. And you're just mm -hmm. like, what, it, what, what sort of long-term difference is this really making? And it just highlighted the difference between the two jobs that I had and having satisfaction in one and not in the other, and then just going, uh, why don't I just go back and do the thing that I like to do? What does that look like now? <laughs> yeah, so, so it looked like, um, yeah, starting a business. Uh, um, so, so that was good. I, I, did a, uh, I did a whole year of business school. Um, I did not finish it uh, because we started the business and um, they really haven't had time to go back. But just to learn a little bit of a civilian language, the childlike view of how the world works how anything is done. I have no idea what job titles mean, you know, or had, you know, like you're just like, uh, you, you feel almost like institutionalized, like you were in prison <laughs> the whole thing, you know, for the last 20 years. Um, and, and so that was, that was good, uh, little context. And then, and then, and then got into starting this clinic. 
physically, mentally, emotionally, like that seems like a really significant transition years, you know, your career in the military and then going into that environment. And now obviously like starting a business, it seems significant. Yeah. I mean, if I could isolate it to, to one thing, it, you know, it, it's that, um, it's that loss of a mission when you, when you don't have to struggle for finding a, a personal mission, because, you know, one is, is worthy and, and handed to you. Like you don't realize how big of a gift that is. Hmm. Uh, and, and, and so I think kind of leaving that and then for the first time, just being like, uh, it, you know, oh, nobody told you you're in charge of your mission now, you know? Right. Um, and, and so that, that gives you all this existential angst because you have no clue that that's what it is. Right. So just kind of, you know, um, manifest like that until you, you know, wiggle through it enough, um, hopefully to, to, to figure out that that's what it was. Um, your company is called Preamble Health. Like, what does that mean? Health in general or healthcare is, you know, it, it's, it's, it's such a, a word that it brings so many different things to our mind, right? But it, I mean, it, most of all, it, it, it really starts once we get sick, you know? So, you know, what you're doing for, for healthcare after, after something happens. Um, and that's why we like the name Preamble, because, you know, it, it totally neglects that your health was um, around and needed to be attended to those 40, 50 years before mm. you got sick, right? And I'm not talking about, you know, new age, crazy medications. I'm talking about those core tenets of your health, which were, you know, your, your ability to, to move around your, your mental health, you know, how, how moderate you were with your eating. Right. And, and those are the, that's that kind of preamble to, to what your health is that, that gets ignored. And, and, uh, especially when you just refer to healthcare as what happens after you're sick. So, so 100%. kind of getting it. To, yeah. And so how are you guys addressing healthcare? How are you how are you functioning in the healthcare space uh, in a different way than perhaps where general medicine is? Where we start and where we start with all of our patients is is getting this you know honest assessment up front of where they stand with the with the key aspects of of their longevity and their their health span. So um, you know I don't think that that modern medicine really does a deep dive into the intricate levels of somebody's metabolic health or their their heart disease risk or their hormones. Um, so I, I just found that, that that's what's lacking in, a, in, a, in uh, people are lacking that access. Uh, ones that are, you know, hitting that 40 year old uh, age limit, you know, realizing their, um, their mortality is, is a real thing. Uh, maybe put off their, their health for 10 years, chasing a career or raising kids. Uh, but they start to demand this information and they can't find it anywhere. And their PCMs don't really give that. So so being able to give that, being a place where people can come, get access to all this, you know, the, the newest tech, but be able to get that, that honest assessment is where, is where we start with these folks. And, and some folks will realize that they need to actually do, that, you know, they, they need to do a lot to, to get to where they want to go. Um, mm. And they, they need help getting there. And then that's kind of the next phase with, our, with our, the patients that continue with us. Hey, guys, I want to interrupt this conversation briefly with an exciting announcement. If you're a father and struggling to lose the pounds that have crept on over the years, I understand your challenge. You're juggling a successful career, a loving family, and now you're looking to regain that energy and physique that seems to have slipped away. And that's exactly why I created PrimeFit Operating System. PrimeFit OS is a unique hybrid coaching program designed specifically for men like you. 
Now, you guys know me. We're not about quick fixes or impossible routines. Instead, we focus on real sustainable change through personalized nutrition and science-driven strength training, all wrapped up in a supportive community with expert guidance directly from me and my 20 years of experience working with men just like you. Imagine mastering your nutrition without restrictive dieting, getting stronger and leaner and boosting your overall energy, all without overwhelming your already busy schedule. With Prime Fit OS, you're getting more than just a cookie-cutter nutrition and fitness plan. You're embarking on a transformative journey that fits into your life, not the other way around. So, if you're ready to take the first step towards a healthier, leaner, stronger, more energetic, confident, ass-kicking you, join us over at Prime Fit Operating System. Trust me, guys, your family, your career, and most importantly, you will thank you for it. So if you guys are interested in getting started and want to find out more about the program, let's chat. Just head over to primefitos.com forward slash call and grab a time on my calendar. Remember, it's your time to be at your prime. I think you and I would both agree that for someone to get healthy, for someone to want to get healthy, for someone to maintain their health over a long period of time and and live a long healthy lifestyle there probably needs to be a element of having a mission having a purpose at play how do you navigate um that or do you navigate that with your clients i i read that you know you call your practice in some capacity medicine 3.0 so i'd i'd like to dive into that and some of the logistics but obviously there is the element of mindset, of mission, of purpose. How do you navigate that with clients? That's the hardest thing to touch on uh, or, or, or get people to kind of think about. You know, I think I think a lot of people inherently want to figure that out and are you know kind of struggling of, of that. They know that that's this fundamental or this 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 underlying fundamental question that they need to answer for themselves. So how do you, how do you address that in in this, in this whole aspect of things when you're kind of showing them their health? It's it's hard. I try to, I guess, instill it more, you know, weave it in more with 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 the voice and, and of, of of how we're kind of thinking about these problems and 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 going about this. Um, but but yeah, it's a it's a tough thing to do. So I think that, you know that's that's kind of my solution for now. But it's you're right. That's a that's a that's a um, it could be a whole whole year worth of work on it. So easily, and it's not yeah. an easy question to answer. And I think you you know, navigated it well, but in my experience, it's either you've got someone who is highly driven and they have a very clear purpose and mission for what they want to accomplish in their life. And maybe they're a business owner or just, you know, hard charging executive or whatever it is that they know what they want to accomplish. They know why they want to accomplish it. And I think it would, it, it makes things a heck of a lot easier. And then we have people who sort of stumble their way through the process, some more successful than others, but invariably at some point along the way, they can't not come to the realization that their existing behaviors, the you know, their habits, their choices, the people they surround themselves with ultimately are not in line with what it is that they really want. And they're forced to acknowledge that well, it's when when the student is ready, right? Yeah. And 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 you never know how long it's going to take for the student to actually be ready, for sure. Yeah. 
And those are the tough ones because then it's like, wow, my whole life is built around things that don't resonate with what I envision my purpose is, maybe my spouse, my friends, my career, yes. right? All of that. Yeah. Yeah. Realizing that looking, like, I mean, why would you want to look into that? That's a, that's a big load of cobwebs that you're going to have to parse through. Um, and, and it's not going to feel good. So that's yeah. a great point. Why would you want to? And so I mean, people intentionally just sort of ignoring, it's like, okay, I don't, I don't need to, if I can't, you know, really see it, I'm just, I'm just going to ignore that right there. And, and meanwhile, they're going to stay stuck as long as they do. Um, those are the tough conversations. How yeah. do you guys leverage technology to help your clients make decisions that are in their best interest? We do it several ways. Uh, you know, one level it, it works on, um, at least in the beginning too, is, 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 is some level of accountability. Uh, but you know, if, if we're helping somebody, um, who has some metabolic derangements, you know, we'll often use, um, continuous glucose monitors on them that, you know, we're, we're kind of getting feeds into, um, yeah. and able to, to, to help them dial in some, some specific issues. Uh, you know, it, it's, those are, those are always fun. If, if you can learn enough on them to then try to beat the game, so to speak, or, you know, maintain some, right. some good blood sugar levels. Let's talk metabolic derangement. So like, sure. what is that, you know, for, for the general listener, like, what are we looking at? What are you primarily looking at when someone comes in, you've got a middle-aged male, they're coming in, uh, you know, maybe have a little more body fat. They know something's up. Um, you guys are running blood work. How do we determine that someone has quote unquote metabolic derangement? I hate the word metabolic health or just like, I mean, because it's, it's great to describe the entirety of everything that's going on. Right. But yeah. it, I think it loses a lot of people and it does, it's definitely not sexy. Right. But, right. um, you know, I think for, you know, for 80% purposes, what we're talking about with this metabolic health is really some of their, their, their blood sugar control and, and their insulin. Right. Yeah. Obviously you get this accumulation of, of all these extra waste products and, and you, you know, your fat and in, inflammatory markers and elevated cholesterol markers that are all part of this syndrome. But if we can boil it down to something a bit more simple, you know, we're really looking into this, this, this blood sugar control and, and, and where they fall on this spectrum of, you know, finely tuned athlete to, to diabetes. Yeah. And everybody knows that checkpoint of diabetes and prediabetes but even if they're up to that bordering right up against it, like, you know, they're, they're in this green zone or you know, right. it's nothing to be worried about. Right. And, and what I don't think a lot of people re realize is that there's, there's this big swath of kind of like yellow warning and actual increased risk before you get up to that prediabetes. And, you know, the, all the statistics of how many cases of prediabetes there are in America now, some, you know, like crazy over a third of, or whatever. It's like, yeah, outrageous. But if you think, if you look at the average American and you come in, you take them and you do a little bit of deeper dive, like looking at what their, what their fasting insulin levels are, right. um, or, or, you know, you, you do these other like kind of shitty tests, like an A1C, which is often a lot of people and, um, is, is, is not too useful, but if you're able to, to, to actually assess how somebody's, uh, blood sugar levels move throughout the day as they eat, you're, you're able to get a much more accurate picture of what their average sugar is. Right. So kind of where they fall a little bit closer on that diabetes spectrum, you're seeing how high it's spiking and how and, and, and just whether it's moving like a healthy person's sugar moves or if it's moving like, you know, the, the wheels are starting to get wobbly. Yeah. Um, 
So, so that's, that's really the, the, the main thing that we, that we'll be looking at for metabolic health. I mean, of course we'll look at, you know, visceral fat and, you know, inflammatory markers that come from that, but the outcome really isn't any different and that you're going to address that with diet and exercise. And it, you know, should you do that, all that stuff is going to really improve. I mean, there's some supplements you can take for certain things, but other than that, like that's the solution, right? But what, what sounds like a differentiating factor is you're actually helping the client become more aware of their behaviors, their eating habits, you know, why this stuff is problematic, obviously infusing, um, physical activity, uh, and not just handing them a pill or saying, you know, you're, you're quote unquote pre-diabetic. So like, you're not there yet, you know, we'll, we'll just kind of wait and see until things get outside the norms. That's exactly right. That's why most people are kind of confused after their annual check-ins. They're like, think some things were kind of bad or like not that good, but I guess I'm okay. I don't know. You know, but like, yeah, you need a finer tuned look into kind of, yeah, where you stand from that. And we'll go heavy with the technology with like the, you know, um, the wearables and, and like the CGMs or, you know, monitoring sleep up front. But, you know, what we're really trying to do, I don't think you should be on that all the time, right? That That's, you, you can't be, um, that, that insane about, uh, being on top of your health sustainably like years into the future. But these, these short periods of time where you can do that and, 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 and kind of mimic what, what right looks like, you know, um, having somebody beat the game on a CGM and feel different after seven days and, 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 and just having this, a little bit of muscle memory that they gain maybe from how they should be eating, right. you know, you know, how they, how, how, how much they or how hard they should be moving at certain times for their exercise. Maybe they yeah. were underdoing. Um, and you know, it just mimics this stuff. It, it, you know, you take that with you and sometimes you need to come back and, and, and do that again and it helps, but, uh, that's kind of, that's how we leverage technology and we try to do it heavy at certain areas. But other than that, I mean, you, you also got to enjoy the view, right? So can't go too, yeah. too crazy. Yeah. No, but I, I think, I mean, I think that's something that in early conversations, I, I think you and I really connected around leveraging data to help us make informed decisions. And one of the things that I appreciated about your guys' approach is because you're sort of forcing that level of awareness with your patients and saying, listen, you know, if you can see the impact of the foods that you eat, I think it, it hits on a different level. And if you can see, you know, and, and make sense of what's going on with body composition and visceral body fat and why that is so dangerous for you, um, if you can just have a little more uh, input into your physical activity levels, your sleep quality, hence, you know, the wearables you said, like a whoop strap or or aura ring or whatever is just get a more complex understanding of of how things are impacting you so that you can actually be in control so that you can actually act like you're the responsible adult that you are, because we don't, I I think one of the things about conventional medicine is we don't empower people to show up for themselves as we give them these nebulous pieces of information of eat less and exercise more. And it's like, good luck. Like we don't know where to go. So it sounds like your guys' plan is a little, certainly more comprehensive in that aspect, certainly more tailored and guided to the individual. For sure. People do need a, a point in the right direction, but, but what you said is completely right. 
I mean, even all, all my patients, like tell them to do not abdicate responsibility, right, to me uh, for your health, right? We can show you this stuff, but, but this then needs to be carried on, right? No, nobody's going nobody's gonna to be there to save you. So what's the typical trajectory look like? Obviously, you're, you're heavy in the you know, assessment and, and data early on to come up with a, a plan of attack. What's the typical trajectory look like for someone? You know, some folks come in here in, in, in really good shape and, and maybe we'll spend or we'll actually go a little bit more into some optimizing uh, of them. But, you know, um, an, an average person would come in here uh, and we would do, you know, a good screen into their, their metabolic health, uh, you know, key risk factors, especially for cardiovascular disease, look into their hormones, uh, sex hormones, thyroid hormones, and, and into their inflammation. Um, but usually, you know, we'll, we'll prioritize that metabolic health and, 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 and par- portion of the plan following there. And, you know, we'll have a, a three-month program where we're, we're working heavy with them, uh, doing this, getting, getting things in line. Uh, it will check in with them again, usually around month four, something like that. And that's where we'll go. We'll, we'll, we'll see the progress we made, um, see if we need to make any adjustments. But, but we're also taking deeper dives into it, more into their risk. So this is where I find it's usually really helpful to take a deep, deeper dive into their cardiovascular risk. Um, the first time they come in here and we'll talk about, you know, their cholesterol and inflammation. Um, but that just, I don't know, it doesn't land people don't have strong opinions on, 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 on these aspects of, of the number one killer. Right. Um, especially with the, with, with regards to cholesterol, because there's just so much information out there. Um, and they hear a bunch of stuff. And so you just kind of go, Oh, well, I'm just going to not really do much, or I don't have an opinion on it because it's kind of hard to figure it out. Right. Um, so we'll do a deeper dive with a, a, um, more advanced imaging, like a calcium scan, yeah. Um, so that if somebody is up in the air or they're just really hesitant of get, about getting their, their, uh, getting their risk factors in line, um, you can show them, you can say it, hopefully not, but you know, Hey, there's a, there's a, there's a, a lot of disease here and, and, and we really need to get after this. And these are the things we need to address or, you know, Hey, you know what, this is a pretty, we did a CTA of your coronary arteries and there's no soft plaque. There's no hard plaque. Um, your cholesterol looks like shit and you don't want to do anything about it. But like, what can I say? Like, I mean, it looks good. You know, like, I mean, like you would, you would be that person who could reasonably do that now that you know. Right. So, um, but, but, but I think that's a conversation that usually takes a a little while to kind of get through to see if we need to set a goal. Um, and, and if we do what it is, do you guys run any genetic testing? Is that something that can be beneficial for people to start thinking about when it comes to preventative healthcare? Oh yeah, for sure. Um, that's something we'll also kind of dive into uh, over the months, but you know, once you understand your cardiovascular risk, it's, you know, what are those other things that are going to kill you? Uh, and there's some genetic testing components of that that are super useful. One to see if there's any, you know, high risk mutations that put you at an increased risk for certain types of cancer. Maybe you need to adjust your cancer screening strategy. Um, are there any things that put you at increased risk for, for dementia? Um, you know, there's some, there's some genetic markers that can help tell, uh, if you're, if you have more cardiovascular risk, you know, yeah. there's, there's not too many, I mean, there's a, there's a, there's a, a few handfuls uh, or a handful or two of, uh, of useful, um, genetic tests. But I think those are, those are, those are probably, if you're looking at like, 
you can go overboard with all this type of data and genetic testing and things like that. But if you're looking for this, you know, concentrated, like majority of, of, of usefulness out of there, it's, it's, um, it, it, it is helpful and we do, and we do as well. So let's, let's take, for example, a middle-aged, you know, male or female, let's just say male, for example, you know, 45 or 50 years old, we're generally quote unquote healthy, meaning whenever we get blood work, things are, are normal per conventional guidelines. We generally feel okay. Um, that doesn't need to necessarily seem to be any overt level of concern that's you know prevalent. Um, but we want to take the steps to really dig a little bit deeper, make sure that we're looking under the hood and getting a true idea of if there's anything that we do need to be concerned about, what are like the three or four things that are probably of most importance that someone should look into or concern themselves uh, right out of the gate? You could probably break that up into a couple categories, but but first I would start with with knowing if you're at any increased risk of certain things that you should be concerned about, right? Something that, that uh, you know, whether you're at an abnormal ri- high risk of, of heart attack or, or, you know, some of these genetic markers that may show that you have increased risk of cancer. Um, but like, do you have any abnormal risks that apply to you that you specifically need to worry about? Because, you know, maybe they'll fall in one in five people. Um, so you should have these one-time tests to figure some of that stuff out. Right. Um, but you know, as far as the uh, assessing where you stand with these key aspects of your health, um, you know, understanding how, how well your, your, your blood sugar and and insulin systems are working, where you fall on a, on a scale for, for, for your metabolic health is is super important as well. You implied that looking at hemoglobin A1Cs and just fasting blood sugar is not enough. So do we need to be looking at then fasting insulin as well? Yeah, I think fasting insulin is super important. Um, You know, it gives you a, a direction. I know it can still be quasi-normal and, and and a bit misleading, but it's a simple test that that tells you a lot about of you know whether or not that insulin resistance is beginning, and and whether or not you're starting to move a little bit to the right on the on the uh, the poor blood sugar control scale. Can we also yeah. see that there's normal blood sugar or normal A one Cs yet high level of insulin resistance? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We see that we see we see that pretty often. Um, you know the you know the a1c that starts for for pre-diabetes starts at 5.7 right. um you know but we just see a lot of folks coming in here you know in that like around 5.4 or 5.5 um you know uh well you would normally you would not normally not get a a fasting insulin level uh with your with your regular checkup which right. is pretty simple it's kind of silly that they don't do that um but you know these when we check it sometimes it's coming back in the 20s um, and then when you're able to actually put a continuous glucose monitor on them and, and, and you see how much activity is there, kind of that, that wobbly wheel, um, high spikes, you know, all the, a lot of variability in these, in these, um, in their spikes and, and a high average sugar, it, it was completely, completely missed by, by just right. the A1C. And, and, and of course their fasting glucose was 89, you know, right. it looked normal on the, on the lab. That's something I'm, I'm seeing more and more, um, and maybe it's just because we're looking, uh, but it's something we're seeing more and more with clients who have a hard time losing weight, losing body fat. And I think it lends itself to this 
level of metabolic dysfunction, what are maybe one or two strategies that you guys employ to help clients um, re-regulate, get better insulin control um, once we, you have an idea of what's going on with blood sugar? We don't really have too many thoughts on people's carbohydrate intakes until they demonstrate this level of, of, of poor blood sugar control. Um, so, you know, usually starting with um, a reasonable restriction on carbohydrates or some type of, you know, um, active altering of their diet using a CGM to, to see how these to see how their blood sugar responds to this type of stuff is yeah. important. Um, you know, I do love uh, a, a, a fast at least start with a 24 hour fast, um, and, and seeing how people respond to those. I think those are, those are decent to sprinkle in on, on folks, but usually it's, it, it's concentrating a lot more on, uh, increasing those aerobic hours of exercise too. Yeah. So, okay. few things there. So perhaps there's, um, lowering carbohydrate intake. You said a, a prolonged fast. Um, and then ramping up physical activity levels. And are, are we talking about just generally walking or talking about more zone two cardio? Um, yeah. I mean, depending on where somebody is kind of in their, um, you know, in their phase of adopting an exercise plan, obviously walking's yeah. great. And if you can get a, a whoop on them and get them recording, uh, their, their heart rate during those walks, next time you talk to them, you can kind of show them where your goal is and, 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 you know, maybe put a weight vest on them or, um, or, or get them walking on an incline or something like that. But, but if somebody knows and somebody's moving around, um, you know, maybe they're doing too much high intensity exercise all the time. Uh, then it's, then you can go a little bit more to the mm. straight to that zone two discussion where they're kind of, they're going to, they're going to, they're going to understand it a lot better. Love it. No, that's, it's, it's super helpful and it's refreshing to hear, you know, especially given frustrations with conventional medicine. And I think for people just wanting to know, you know, to have a doctor who's actually giving them guidance around nutrition, around exercise, around supplementation, um, and kind of a deeper dive into risk factors, longevity, health span, lifespan, genetic factors, all of those things. Um, it must be refreshing for you to be able to you know, do what you want to do now in practice and, um, actually live with, you know, have the mission, have purpose. Now I'm curious what your guys is like, what are the next steps for you in, in business? Yeah. I mean, we're, um, we, we just started. So, um, but you know, offering the best service we can, uh, you know, and then, and being able to grow it and, 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 accept more, more clients is, is, is the immediate next step. Uh, but, you know, being able to bring this layer of, 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 of health span longevity medicine, uh, on top of, you know, more folks, medical care is, is, is the goal. So, um, yeah, being able to, to bring this out to more folks. Who are the ideal clients for you? And how can they find more about you guys? Ideal clients are, you know, somebody who has, you know, kind of heard that call to action uh, enough times that they're ready to cross that that threshold and and um, and go after what they want. Um, you know, people who, who who really want to understand this and and um, and and ready to to make a change and do this. 
um, that's, that's the best experience. That's where, that's where we have, have, have magic here. Um, you know, they can, we have a, we have a website, uh, preamble.co. Um, and, uh, that's, they, they can get in contact with us through there. We'll be taking new patients probably sometime after the, the, the first of the year. Uh, well, we will have, uh, your contact info in the show notes below. So if you guys are interested in getting in touch with Dr. Greer and his team, finding out more about the services that he offers. I'm curious, do you do any long distance uh, clients or is it all local to Arizona right now? Yeah, it's all local to Arizona. Um, we, we do some some long distance clients. Uh, or they'll fly in here for a, yep. a consult um, and then we'll, we'll keep in, in touch from there. Uh, but we're licensed in a few other states. So we, we, we do that a little bit. Uh, we'll probably do, do a lot more in the future, though. Dude, thank you yeah, very thanks much. Thanks for having me on. That was a, that was a great talk. I uh, no, enjoyed it's, it. Uh, it's, it's great to connect with like-minded people. I'm glad to have you in our network. I'm looking forward to collaborating more with you in the future um, and uh, having this conversation again soon. So uh, enjoy the rest of your weekend. Thanks for making the time, and we'll talk soon, brother. All right. You too, Ben. Thanks, man. Thank you so much for listening. And if you found this content valuable, here are four ways I can help you in your nutrition journey for free. One, grab a free copy of my Fat Loss Fix Guide at fatlossfixguide.com. Two, join my free group at smartnutritionmadesimple.com. Three, subscribe to my YouTube channel at smartnutritionmadesimpletv.com. Four, leave a five-star rating and positive review so that we can gain access to more nutrition experts ready to share their knowledge with you and ultimately help more people make smart nutrition simple.